Hello, welcome to the Extra Credits of Succession. I'm Trey. And I'm Kelsey. Today we are talking about Season 4, Episode 5, Kill List. And I think today we'll play some electric musical chairs. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're halfway through now. Yeah, wow. And my prediction came true. Yes. But obviously in Succession fashion, it doesn't matter because none of these kids can follow through (laughs) on anything. Um, Yeah. But... We'll we'll talk about it, but Trey, just before we jump in, um, did you get my email uh, on the podcast <laughs> angles? I got all ignore. Of them. All, oh, I love how you did the bit with me. Ignore <laughs> all other emails. <laughs> I can't believe this is only two days after Logan died. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's I think only been so. two days. Like we've just entered the real season four. Yeah, and I think they're trying to set this season up to be Swedish Elon Musk on steroids (laughs) versus pseudo corporate America Murdoch's versus fascist dictator Mencken. (laughs) It's going to be a crazy uh, dark Avengers battle going forward. And I'm psyched. Yeah. Uh, Are Mencken and Matson going to be in the same room in a couple episodes? I hope so. I hope so too. I can't wait if that happens to see their like, yeah, them flirt over their power. Just Roman watching. (laughs) I guess we'll, I guess we'll wait for predictions. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's do it. It'd be nice to get a shot of you and Roman on the candid shot, stepping up. C.E. Rose is kind of the bad version. Shall we maybe not do the bad version? We pick up a couple of threads in episode five, Kendall going into work, which we dropped in the pilot. Yeah! That's what he was doing, and he was going into work. He thought he was going to become the boss, and that's what you see him doing, is being co-boss with his brother. In the writer's room, we have a board and scenarios that we could do one day, a product launch, a corporate retreat, and that seemed to marry very happily with this episode. I think this might be my favorite episode of this season okay. so far. Like, we had some of the best dialogue this episode, some yeah. of the most chess moves. We're in Norway. The episode <laughs> looks great. The cinematography is phenomenal. Like, there's so much to talk about in this Yeah, one. I think I really loved The Wake. Okay, that was last episode? Yeah, yeah. but I, I guess I'll have to rewatch them both because... Just having Matson in this episode, he is yes. like a open wire yeah. or, or socket or whatever. Like <laughs> no, he is. That's he right. Is yeah, just a wild person to watch as an actor, uh, but also just as a character in this world. So yeah, and he's got that Northman bod right now. That's so true. He looks extra crazy. Yeah, we saw you saw the like the a semi shirt off right when he's yeah. taking off his like hooded hundred <laughs> percent purposeful inside hood when yes. he's walking. We'll up get to the, to the hood. <laughs> okay, in honor of Logan Roy, let's get to the protein. Let's do it of the episode it's been two days since logan's died mm-hmm. and the ce bros okay <laughs> uh are in action matson wants the whole roy lineup to try out at the gojo annual retreat <laughs> carl and frank are pulling up their compression socks <laughs> <laughs> i love that what a small detail Tom's, also we Tom's ended like, we ended the pod last time by like just shouting yeah. out our compression sock listeners carl and frank our listeners um, yeah <laughs> But I, yeah, Tom's like, nothing, nothing. Yeah. Um, but, and everyone is trying to keep, you know, the deal intact, except yeah. for our number one boy, Kendall. My prediction was right. Ken wasn't going to give up that company. I knew from yes. the minute Matson FaceTimed him on that stairwell pre-karaoke bar yeah, you when Logan that. was still with us. Yeah. But like I said, it doesn't matter because everything <laughs> the Roy children do in their lives just blows up in their face. Absolutely. So, Let's get to it. It's a cultural compatibility check, but really it's the coordination <laughs> of a kill list. 
It's blood blocks and saunas. It's a tightrope walk on a straight razor. Uh, Before we get to the awards and the power rankings, let's go to our ATN headlines. Were there headlines? There were none on TVs this time. And the the same in the opening credits of like the NBA Jumbotron and being entombed in your like Tesla, which is still great every time. But we did have the pitch for the CE bros from from Hugo. I love that. We also see Shiv pick up a, a few headlines that are circulating, like one on the plane that Kendall and Roman, the Roy boys have been calling the shots at Waystar, apparently, ever since Logan has been sick the past two years. And we know that Kendall planted those stories and Hugo has been working undercover behind the scenes, whoever his connects are. um, I didn't even pick up on that until you mentioned it while watching it. Oh, I just thought it was basically to... We we ended last episode with Kendall as like Darth Vader, you said. This (laughs) evil Kendall, is he going to be Logan and really take control now that he's given the kingdom. Right. And at the very beginning of this episode, we see no, right? Like uh, Matson is obviously going to do this. But before we even meet Matson, we see Kendall say like, Hugo, you know, get anyone who's like putting out these stories of my dad. And right. Shiv sees right through it. Like immediately she senses something's off. She's not in the room. So we're seeing these cracks in the foundation of the Sibs, yeah, right? He's um, very openly using his leverage on people around him. Yeah, but I think the point here is to flip that feeling of maybe terror we had from Kendall pulling Mm -hmm. the strings of his people to see, oh, he's being so transparent and he can't do what Logan did. Like he is not inciting fear in the people around him. Instead, he actually has sharks circling the water Mm -hmm. and just trying to make sure they're not on the kill list. Yeah. And also we are kind of being subverted by Jesse Armstrong because we left last episode being like, is Kendall evil right. to knowing that he's not going to go in on strong footing to go toe to toe with Matson? Right. Kendall's leadership abilities are like more akin to like Moneyball, Brad yeah. Pitt's character, whereas <laughs> Logan was like from Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> Very different leadership. <laughs> yeah. And then we have our second headline that Shiv sees that people are not happy later on at this retreat. Yes. And Matson sees it too. But I love when Shiv goes up to Kendall and Greg because Kendall asked Greg to leak it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Greg is obviously happy to do so. So he's in the, what does he call them? The quad, the quad. squad. Quad squad. <laughs> and, you know, people are unhappy. She sees right through it. She's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And we're going to see <laughs> this kind of disconnect go even further. And, I, and I'm really excited to talk about all the chess moves that Me happen too. in this. There's so many. So those are the actual two headlines from the succession world. But Kelsey, you noted something while watching this, that the set on Succession Season 4, Episode 5, that they are in in Norway, is the same set, the hotel, from Alex Garland's Ex Machina. Yeah, where Dom Hall Gleason, like, arrives. Right, and that's become, like, a meta headline, like, in our (laughs) actual world. Like, people are talking about that now, and it was such a cool connection because the billionaire that Oscar Isaac plays reminds me a lot of the psychopath that Matson is. Yeah. And also the fact that there are these like hidden robots in Ex Machina <laughs> and just like the hidden robots in the Roy's movie. Yeah. What is the log line for their movie? Like sleepy robot in a cave. Yeah. And I felt so validated everyone because when we were watching this, I paused it and I said, this looks just like Ex Machina. Yeah. And they were just talking about, maybe it set me off because they were talking about the sleepy robot on the plane. Yes. Um, I think since the episode has come out, People have talked about how this movie, the Roy production company, uh, mm. is, is 
funding is actually Transformers, possibly. Sure. Uh, and I think they might be right based on the screening later on in the episode where all the Gojo employees are watching it. Right. It, it's like an action movie and you hear this like, oh, yeah. which sounds like <laughs> the Transformers. Uh, but oh. I love the idea of Optimus Prime. Ex Machina for the same reason that you said, like Oscar Isaac's character. They're going to this like eccentric billionaire similar to like dancing in a disco room in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And Domhnall Gleeson is not like unlike a Greg figure or just someone who's kind of laughable, like a Roy child. But I had a question like does ex machina exist in the Roy's world? And then did Mattson buy this hotel where ex machina was shot because he's a big movie guy. Like, is he an Alex Garland fan? I am curious of this now. Well, we know Steven Spielberg exists because of the Jaws reference. Oh, that's so true. Anything is possible. <laughs> I love it. They should fund Garland's next movie, like his next project. I'm I'm for it. Well, I was gonna say I think Alex Garland and Jesse Armstrong could do a really oh cool collab God. about like tech bros in space in a sci-fi flick with politics. Because sure, with politics. Alex <laughs> Garland, I mean, he's one of our favorite sci-fi writers and yeah. world builders. But Jesse Armstrong could come in with that wild dialogue. Oh, my God. That's like a weird, edgy David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin yeah. combo. <laughs> I'd love that. Give me yeah, that. Yeah, just be like even darker. Yeah. yeah. Garland's uh, new movie, Civil War, by the way. I don't oh, know. True. Just quick plug because we're definitely going to be talking a lot of <laughs> quick Garland plug this year. for Alex Garland. <laughs> quick plug for our guy, Alex. Uh, Civil War starring Kirsten Dunst is calling, coming out later this year, which I'm very excited for. Okay. Last thing about Alex Garland. Do you think, uh, so for people who have seen men or who have not seen men, there's no spoilers, but what if we got a men with Skarsgård? Like as the, yes. all the men. Well, that's what I'm saying. These guys, Ari Aster, <laughs> so scary. Robert Eggers, Alex Garland, Jordan Peele. I think they're all going to start using the same pool of like psychopaths yeah. for their movies. Well, and I, I mean, love that. Roy Kinnear is like, you know, Perfect. scary in his own way. Yeah. He was a good choice, especially for disarming us all at men. the beginning. But yeah. <laughs> okay, not a men podcast, not an Alex Garland podcast. We have Let's, a men pod though. Go back and listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to our awards. What is your cringiest moment? So Matson explaining his psychopath behavior to Shiv oh, is, yeah. I think the first obvious cringy thing that comes to mind, like, I think we were both naturally making the celebrity comparisons to Matson sending half a liter of frozen blood yeah. to Ebba. Blood I think blocks. you said Army Hammer immediately, yeah. and other people have said Jared Leto. I thought of both of them too. So there's this, like, weird relationship, power dynamic going on between Matson and Shiv in this conversation. But you also have this, like, meta layer to Matson because of our real-world relationship with these creepy celebrities. Yeah. And this weird power dynamic between him and Shiv is starting to look like it's going to turn into something by next episode. So I'm not sure exactly how to read this scene. I'm excited to talk to you about it right now because... <laughs> okay, I was going to ask, do you want to wait till the chess moves? We but... can wait till the chess moves, but I feel like they're both playing each other. Uh, that's what I... Yeah, okay. That's what I said too. So okay, I wrote in my notes that they're both playing each other, but mm-hmm. one person has more power. So let's yeah. let's talk about that in our chess moves because that also is going to determine where Shiv ends up on our leaderboard. I agree. And I'm really curious about our rankings today because I think we're going to be debating a little bit about yeah, where to put Shiv. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, I just want to know, I think Matson was acting vulnerable to get Shiv to open up a little bit and be on his side. But I just think this whole scene deserves to be in the cringy award, at least one of the oh, slots it's so for this. Cringy. Because, yeah, he's yeah, talking about like, giving someone his blood, sending leaders. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every week. It's like it's a subscription like a, service. Yeah, it's like um, a very awkward psychological 
game, uh, but also was just like this hilarious, disturbing performance by Skarsgård and as this like creep. And then you have Snook, who is also killing it because something that Twitter has been talking about, but we have not talked about yet is... Did she drink the whiskey? Did she do coke? I was trying to look out for that. So obviously we know she didn't do the coke. And also we see like Roman make this move in the bathroom with the guy. He bought the wrong soccer team for for Logan with in season two or three. Yeah. But I was looking if Shiv was like taking a sip and spitting back out the the whiskey or I think she might have spit the whiskey back out but I don't don't, she definitely didn't do the coke. Yeah. Yeah. That for sure didn't happen. Okay. So my cringy moment is when Kendall and Roman are talking to Matson at the beginning of the episode, the first negotiation they have. Yeah. Well, let's just set the scene real quick. Okay. Matson is wearing a rain jacket, like you said earlier. <laughs> yeah. He's got his hood on inside this yeah. corporate retreat. And it's like over his eyes a little bit. It's frightening. And it reminded <laughs> me a lot, low key, of Logan's sunglasses that he wears indoors. Oh, yeah. And this kind of like jacket hood is like this <laughs> Swedish the touch because yeah. of the weather there, which I thought was really funny. And Matson starts off before the siblings leave with him by hugging all of them as like oh, this yeah. weird Logan power move yeah. where you know he hates them, but they're also now touching. And then he isolates the two brothers. And I just thought that was a great way to introduce Matson, like or reintroduce him back into this show. Yeah, he has everyone in the palm of his hands exactly. this episode. And I love when he also walks up to them and says, you guys are like scared to come talk with me without the <laughs> village elders and just is like playing with them. And then when they get to the top, like this is my cringe moment because Roman and Kendall didn't want to do this before they actually did the negotiation. Like they didn't want to run it through with Carl or Frank or Jerry. They're like, we've got it. Like mm-hmm. we're big boys. And they immediately just like start talking over one of each, one <laughs> so another. Right. They don't even Scarsgard. rehearse it with each other or like talk about who's going to take what angle they just start talking and Lucas just mocks them the whole time. They're like, he's like, bah, 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 bah. like <laughs> and it's so cr- like cringy. So actually, good. most of my cringe moments are just when someone is talking in a room or just to him. I make like literally the guttural sound of, of cringe whenever yeah. he's, he's talking, well, but he's got these great eyes that make you feel like you're just saying yeah. something fucking stupid. Yeah. yeah it's so and good. so when they're in the room though, he also does this really interesting power play where Roman says, Oh, you know, it's, it's fine. Like we're good to meet. It's only like, you know, not yesterday. Our dad died. It was a couple days ago. Yeah. And Matson brings up his father who he suggests his dad died by suicide. He says he found his dad in the BMW with its still running and he's like oh no sorry's for lucas yeah and he's like no no sorry bro kendall says he's like oh no it's not a competition (laughs) and just playing with them and then mattson also interrupts ken right this is the like big cringe drop uh, of i want to buy your entire operation yes for the price of one dollar the cuts to oh that Kieran was Culkin really brutal and jeremy yeah. strong's eyes just yeah. like taking that information in was so awesome yeah so that was definitely like the top of cringe for me besides i also wrote down the shiv and, and matson scene the other one is matson and roman talking at the end or more so roman just freaking out at the end but i think we'll talk about that as we get more to our chess moves even though that's a failed chess move right yeah i was gonna actually say that my real cringy scene was that epic okay. moment between Roman where he know, just tanks the Matson. deal. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Matson is sort of the grandmaster chess player in this show at this point. And I think we're going to get to that in chess moves, obviously, but just seeing Matson outsmart the CE bros and like knowing <laughs> how to push Roman specifically, like his buttons was 
just really tough for him. Like seeing Culkin's physical reaction to Matson tarnishing the romantic idea of Logan yeah. and what Roman is like built up in his mind about his father was kind of more difficult and challenging than I thought it would be to watch that because I really don't give a shit about Logan. So yeah. but just seeing kind of Roman come to terms with his dad actually just being kind of a prick, like as Matson put it, and not being able to know how to like handle that emotionally because he's still dealing with the loss of his father. It's it sucks. I mean, it looks like Colkin looks like he just got punched in the face yeah. when Matson's talking to him. And I think we get the Kieran Colkin Emmy scene, which I think we should just play here. I, I really don't want to like just kind of beat it out with you because it's okay. so good. So let's just go ahead and listen to it because it's the best acting since Brian Cox stood on those Xerox boxes in episode two. Yeah. Hey, I was just thinking, do you remember when you asked when my dad was going to die? Yeah, that was a joke, Roman. You really couldn't push this a week, could you? You just couldn't like, there was no part of you that could just be like, hey, let's reschedule and move this because, you know, their dad just died. And, you know, I mean, my sister's kind of, she's fucked up about it and brother's a mess and i'm fucking i'm gone i'm like i'm on the fucking i'm dead it's over for me it's okay it's fine but you just drag us out here you inhuman fucking dog man you crazy you brother you you fucking killed him too you're the one who did it you just and you did you drained the life out of him you dragged this thing out for six fucking months and then you bring us out here now you couldn't wait like a few days you actually couldn't do that for us no idea huh god yeah, up. shut the fuck up, man. We're not selling to you, okay? We're not doing that. We are going to grind you down, man. We are sanding the gears. Every email is going to take like six months. We're all going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars. And in the end, you're going to get fucking bored and move on. It's not happening, okay? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I fucking hate you. And if you tell the board I said any of this, I'm just going to say it was a negotiating tactic. And you know what? Maybe it is, but it's not. So fuck you. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. You just fucked yourself. Did I? Good. Really? So aside from the fact that this was an incredible performance from these three actors here, especially Kieran Culkin and Skarsgård, Mm -hmm. and fantastic camera work and editing in here, like like I said at the top, great cinematography. The team on this worked so well. I just want to talk about the fact that the writers were like, let's show this spectrum of evil between Roman, who is is a, for all intents and purposes, a bad person. And Skarsgård, who we know is like the Neo-Logan, like an apex tech predator looking to kill anything that moves. Just trying to get you on Roman's side was so interesting. Like we weren't already, but like we kind of doubled down on Roman's side because we want to see the siblings win this verbal fight that feels like a boxing match. And I think I realized in this moment that our predictions in episode one of this season were true, which is we're going to see the siblings go all the way to the end, like go through their issues, you know, their interpersonal dynamics, like fighting one another for power, like Shiv playing with Matson, and then like not wanting to be on her brother's team. Maybe even Roman drops away from Kendall at one point, but these three siblings are probably going to come back together to try to fight Matson at the end of the season. And we're going to think about this moment, which was telling us all along that Matson knows exactly what he's doing and he's just messing with these kids and he is taking them to their graves. They're not going to be able to keep this company. Yeah. And like you said, he's kind of our stand in Logan Roy character where he's just playing with people because he likes to be powerful. He's just doing it in a different way where he's this kind of like twerpy tech person, (laughs) right? He calls their dad a prick, sees that Roman gets upset by it. And then he also says like Logan would be embarrassed to see his two boys right now. Yeah, that really got to him. Yeah, and so obviously, like, we're not rooting for anyone. Everyone's a terrible person. But in that moment, you're like, okay, 
we want to see the siblings be together and tank the deal. But we'll talk about it later in chess moves too. I think Kendall was wrong to trust Roman, especially at this state, because I was curious about that too. Okay. Well, even though like Roman is tanking the deal, uh, he's just spinning out completely from his emotions. And while it sort of works out for them, like they are just offered a a bunch of money. So that way they can't like counter or try to, to kill the deal again. Yeah. Uh, I think the reason that would work out is because they can't run the company probably on their own. Like, I don't think they're capable. Right. Ultimately, that wasn't their plan, as we know. And that wasn't something that will play, as Kendall says to Roman at the end. Yeah. So, okay. My other cringe moment was when Tom goes over to talk to Matson because he says, oh yeah, remember that one time uh, we were like laughing about someone's cargo shorts, the creases in someone's cargo shorts. Yeah. And then Matson's like, oh yeah, no, we were just discussing if France <laughs> is going to make it. And the, or they'll pull a grease. <laughs> it was just so cringy to see everyone at the table and Tom try to find a new protector. Yeah. Well, Tom gives the most American response, which is well, yeah. from a U.S. perspective, we don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're late imperial. If our Paris burns down, we're just going to build another one. That's like yeah. really great stuff from Tom. Yeah. It is such like hilarious U.S. writing of just not caring about the world. But yes. also it's so glaring because Matthew McFadden is British. And, and the so writers it, are basically yeah. British. And too. so to yeah. see it, like see that writing glaring, it was like really funny. And mm-hmm. yeah, but also I loved when. Matson says something like he's like making fun of everyone. Oh, it's when Greg chimes in about the economist yes. article he read, that, which like, I felt targeted don't by <laughs> count out the, the baguette or whatever. Yeah. But Matson's like, who is this? And yeah. he finds out that he's a cousin. And I think they're making jokes about like nepotism. Right. Yes. Because everyone there has earned their jobs. They're Fulbright's out the ass. But <laughs> this is my favorite part because then Kendall's like, Oh no, no. Like maybe it's funnier in subtitles. Yeah. And he's, and then he's like, I've had enough of this shit. And Matson's like, well, I'm just waiting for you to counter. And then Kendall just whips off his sunglasses. Did you notice like the he does it <laughs> earlier that he pulls his he sunglasses does it earlier off? when he, he's in his ex machina hotel and he yeah. whips off his jacket <laughs> yeah. before the cut. I'm like, what is Jeremy Strong doing? He's coming with some kind of energy in this episode. Yeah. Imagine having any moment where you feel that serious. You have to like pull your sunglasses off like intensely at someone. I'm going to use it as a, a power move. I'll be like, do you want to do this here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And it just seeing Kendall stick up for the whole Waystar crew it was really funny because it was like watching a billionaire playground bullying scene. Yeah. <laughs> Greg literally thanks Kendall. He's like, thanks, Ken. Thanks, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think he meant that. I almost felt a little bit. I was like, oh, I almost get a little emotional yeah, I watching Kendall you for stick the up watch. for everyone. Yeah. But wait, no, no, no. We don't forgive Kendall for the watch. <laughs> that watch was really messed up. It was Greg, very un- unlike Kendall, honestly, after watching the show over again. Yeah. Once we do our season three deep dive, yeah. we already have season one out. Season two and three are coming. We'll definitely discuss that. Very out of character. That needs a whole episode dedicated to itself. (laughs) The kind of like what happened in the writing there about Ken. We'll we'll get to that. Yeah. But Greg is looking for a new mommy this episode. So (laughs) it makes sense. He's willing to make some sacrifices. Okay. So our tragic moment. You want to go first? Yeah. So, you know, this episode is really special when you just forget that the anchor of the show for three plus seasons, Brian Cox's Logan, just isn't around anymore. Yeah. And somehow it feels like the writers, performers and everyone behind the scene just really set us up for a highly entertaining and satisfying five final episodes of this show. And you can tell how great this episode is and where we're going to go and how great that's going to be because we're without the big bad 
Logan. Mm-hmm. And even though Cox is gone, like Kelsey has been saying, he's been sort of like looming like a ghost around his children, yeah. where I think there's a lot of tragedy to pull from that looming. And I think there are like a few really sad moments in this episode that remind you that these Roy siblings, while fundamentally are bad people and like longtime listeners who've heard us break down the show know that we believe that they are still human and they are still recovering only two days after their father died, which is something anyone can sympathize with, even if it's Logan. Mm-hmm. So there are two moments I want to talk about. I think you're about to take mine. Go for really? it. Yeah. I noticed Logan's death looming over his children most when Roman is on the PJ yeah. to Norway. Yeah. And he's looking at the back of the PJ where there's a light shining in the middle of the walkway. And he's staring at the spot where Logan's body was. In yeah, three. that's what I put too. Kieran Culkin's face after he turns around is mm-hmm. so great. Emmy worthy. The second moment for the way you can tell Logan is looming. I'm interested in this one because I only had Roman. The kids. Well, this one's with Shiv. Okay. You can kind of tell in the moment where Matson introduces Ebba to Shiv for the first time. Okay. And Matson goes, sorry about the weather. It was better last week. And Shiv says everything was better last week. And yeah. she kind of looks off to the side and just reminded me of the way Roman looked off to the side in the okay. jet when he looked at that spot behind him. That one's a little bit less, I think, emotionally devastating yeah. <laughs> because they're just kind of like at this party in Norway. But still, you can tell the siblings aren't dealing with the death of Logan, aren't able to grieve because it's only been 48 hours since yeah. he died. And during all this, which we haven't even mentioned, our guy Connor and Willa are trying to pick out a kilt for Logan yeah. versus don't, don't step on it. I'm getting yeah. there. My con head's out there. <laughs> the only person I want to mention that didn't seem like they had Logan looming around him was good old Kendall, who's oh, back yeah. to his Terminator self. Didn't exactly win this one. Feeling uh, the force, Kendall. I just didn't need any more sad Kendall. I love the fact he's feeling the force right now, and he's just unfeeling and brutal. Like, I, I'm glad this Kendall is back. Yeah, I'm also glad that they made a force like Star Wars reference because you called him Darth Vader at the end of last episode. Yes, but my okay. so I said there are not really many tragic moments after I watched this episode. I put that in my notes, but Mm -hmm. I did write down the Roman scene and then maybe Tom, right? Because Shiv and Tom are possibly I don't know if they're going to get back together, but they're going to go back into this toxic dynamic that they might have because Shiv is feeling like she's on top of the mountain because she feels like she has some power, but also in the Shiv fashion, like likes to be behind the scenes to knife people like we've talked about. And so when she asks him to like get dinner later on, Tom obviously is like, I don't know if that's the best thing in his face, Yeah, but she just said, like, you can fire Sid. And he thinks, oh, maybe you're going to fire me when she originally walks up to him in the plane. Okay, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. I thought he thought he was about to get fired. Well, I think, so she says something like, we're going to make some moves at ATN, yeah. and we're going to shake things up, something yeah. like that. And he <laughs> says, do you really want to do this? Yes. Something to that effect. And she then responds, you can fire Sid, right? To- Which, by the way, very excited for when he does do that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be so <laughs> it's great. It's going to be such a funny moment. I'm sorry, Sid, but like that's going to yeah. be hilarious. Yeah, and then and we'll talk about their flirtations later, <laughs> calling her him a spelunker. But yes. <laughs> okay, very let's go to our funniest moments. So Kendall's introduction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with Jay-Z and his diss track takeover. The opening of the episode. I thought that was a fun connection to him listening to Beastie Boys in the yeah. show's opener, <laughs> like walking in one as of my his favorite first day Kendall as scenes. CEO in episode one of season one. And by 
the end of that season opener, he lost the CEO job and like within 24 hours. Right. And by the end of this episode of him coming to work again, but this time with a different song and he's not singing along as much, he thinks he's like entered in a new level, a new stage of yeah. Kendall. And he kind of loses the CEO position again within 24 hours. So not a great look for my guy. And when he gets out of the limo, not really a funny moment, just notable for Cret gets a shout out. The infamous Kendall yes. limo driver, he's back. I don't think they showed him, but he's there in name. Yeah, that was cool. At the the first episode of the whole series, he's at, he says, "Today's the day for Cret." Cret yeah, and then now when he gets out, he's like, "Thanks for Cret." You're right. He has a new uh, CEO vibe, yeah. a little bit more self assured because Logan Roy is dead and he can't take it from him. Right. But we know it's going downhill from this self referential scene that Jesse Armstrong wrote. Yeah, absolutely. And before you get to your funny scene, I just want to note when Ken gets out of the limo and he says that about Fakret, there is this great sample mixed with Bertel's piano in that yeah. moment. Like Kenny has like an updated version of his music, which I just thought people should check out if they just kind of, if it just flew past them, because I don't think they played it again for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I think they play a version of this track in another season also, but you're right. It's like a, it's a different evolved version as Kendall yeah. is walking. It was really Super cool. straight. Like he yeah. must have a posture guy and a, a grief guy, but <laughs> I also want to call attention to one quick thing that I only noticed on the second watch when Kendall goes into the lobby and we have like five people who meet him to get briefed. Logan Roy's face is huge in the oh, lobby yeah. and it says like in memorandum or in honor of yeah. Logan Roy. It's like a memoriam. Yeah. yeah. So just another example of your looming Logan oh, yeah. uh, noticing. but. Yeah. I'll go to my next funny moment, which is the gray beards. Oh my the God. The old guard. This whole episode are just like <laughs> knocking it out of the park. The B team yeah. is shining in this episode, especially Carolina, like talking about the Gojo counterparts and She's their interactions with them later on. Yeah. Uh, I love when Hugo is talking to them like, at, when he has all those pastries on Huge his plate. Huge Hugo episode. It's, so <laughs> it's like funny. a pancake folded in half on the top. And he's like talking to that guy who was in the Olympics. He's like, I heard you got bronze. Yeah. That's almost huge almost man big for you Those man tenths of a second <laughs> <laughs> and then i love just roman also his every line that is written for him to talk about the gray beards or whatever he's like oh it's march of the emperor penguins yeah. and shiv says you know boomers versus zoomers uh, roman also says oh mom and dad are stopping by to make sure we have like food in the fridge yes and then carl frank and jerry just their nervous performance of like the kids are just going to blow this. Like mm -hmm. they're just going to tank this all. And Frank is like huffing and puffing. Right. It's like totally kid ran away to the playground without his jacket or something. He's like, Oh my <laughs> God. Like, yeah, totally understandable. Yeah, You're right. But it's the kids. so yeah. funny to watch. Yeah, I want to shout out Jerry from one of these moments that you're okay. mentioning, specifically when she's on the PJ, like, and they're getting ready to go to Norway. Yeah. And everyone's kind of down after Carolina updates how much better all the Swedes are than yeah, them. Yeah, she's like on their <laughs> LinkedIn's, you know, just. <laughs> but Jerry goes, sure, they're young and fit, but they're European. They're soft, hammocked <laughs> in their social security safety nets, sick on vacation mania and free healthcare. But we've been exposed to a pathogen named Logan Roy. So we'll be fine. Yeah, we've been raised by wolves. It's yeah. just great writing. <laughs> I love the like explicit attacks on American nepotism that the succession writers are going after because like us American audiences in the middle class <laughs> are here for like making fun of elitist market culture like we're here for keep going yeah and then at the end of course when we see the kill list Hugo's like so much for being raised by wolves yeah. you know 
And I love Carl when he gets cut uh, at the end. He's like, oh, everything's golden. You know, like he he's in on that that island with his brother-in-law. But my favorite part is also when he says, is Tom on that list? Like he must be on the list. He's like, oh, my God, are you serious? When he finds out. Tom is safe. Well, Carl specifically says, let the good times roll. Yeah, yeah, that's what he says. (laughs) That's the most I laugh in this whole episode. That's my funniest moment to me, I think. Okay, I have one more funny moment. I am a big fan of Connor planning things. So when Connor calls from the funeral home and he's like, Marsha is about to put dad in a kilt. And the kids are like, what? Okay, what do you want from us? Like, just cut to the point. And Will is in the background, like, don't let them make fun of you. But when Connor says this line, it's A plus writing. He's like, listen, if I'm going to go into the embalming room and start throwing my weight around, I'm going to need to make some asks, but I don't want to get blamed. And also just like a quick shout out to the working whites in Cleveland. Um, but I hope if we get a funeral episode, which I'm assuming we will, maybe yeah. I want Connor to run this like the Reckney ball. Okay. That's what I, was I want thinking. cold butter. I want him yelling in the kitchen. He was an event planner in another life, or I yeah. guess maybe in this life, that does seem like what he should be doing. Um, Okay, so that was a really funny moment I forgot to note. I have two small funny moments. All right. When Roman tells Kendall, I see you on the phone, and the camera cuts to Roman in his, like, his ex machina room window, that really just got to me because... Just the editing there going from Ken's perspective to Roman really made me laugh. Well, so sibling too. It felt like really authentic. Very much. Also, when Tom introduces himself to Swedish Tom and Swedish Tom (laughs) goes, oh yeah, Tom, Tom of a Siobhan. Yeah, of Siobhan. Yeah, Yeah, so Like she's an island or something. (laughs) All this wealth he comes from. Yeah, it's awesome because Tom is still connected like to this nepotism and he thinks he is just going to try to find like a new home or new protector and they see him as totally part of this. Okay. Let's get to our chess moves. Okay. So last week what we did, because these chess moves keep on getting like exponentially more complex. So last week, what we did was go from weakest to strongest. Okay. I did that again. What do you think? I did that too. So I have Greg at the top of my list as my weakest chess move. Okay. Same. Like it's a good chess move, but it is the weakest. I actually have the pairing. He's of on Tom the board. Yeah. And Greg. I almost look at like Gojo and Matson as combined. And I look at Tom and Greg as basically being combined. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently. But they're splitting though. I have them well, a little split this episode. That will go to predictions, I think. Because okay. I think that could happen. So apparently Greg knows a lot. <laughs> yeah, he knows there's a kill list. There's yeah. like eight or nine names on it. Yeah, like when Tom wants the lowdown on Matson's plans and Greg knows everything, he's like telling him what podcast he listens to and <laughs> who's on Matson's kill list for the takeover. And every season, I am wondering like how much does Greg know, which again, longtime listeners know that like I share the theory that Greg has a chance. There is a possibility that yeah. Greg could make it out I don't on think top. so anymore. It would just be funny for Jesse Armstrong to write somebody who is the most middle class, like a like a Willa, like a Greg that mm-hmm. comes in and takes power. But we'll get to that in predictions. But it does seem like Greg knows a lot, even more than like he's telling, you know, than we the audience knows. That's true. He might, well, I think you're right because he, we see he is trying to be a part of the squad, the Roy Patrol or yes. whatever with the kids. The quad. And it is very possible that he's trying to split from Tom because Tom doesn't have power right it's very notable that when they're talking when greg tells tom about the kill list they're right next to boar on the floor imagery right with like the pigs cooking and so i I think that yeah it was great and i think that's supposed to note to us like 
maybe Greg again, isn't telling him everything like the Reckney ball where right. he tells Jerry Tom secrets. And because Greg's ultimately like looking out for, for himself. What we do know from this show, just like when you just said him and Jerry at the Reckney ball, when there are those moments where the show is clipping these scenes of people talking or dancing, there's music playing in the background yeah. and they show Greg, that's going to come back. Yeah. Like, he was dancing with back. Ebba. He said that right. Oscar might be keeping the list. I think he knows where the list is coming from. Like he is observational and I think people feel like he's non-threatening and he's not close to having access to the keys so they can just tell him things. Right. Well, let's stick on the Ebba part real quickly because I think that is the real chess move. When he is seen dancing with Ebba that night, Mm -hmm. after what we learned between Shiv and Matson's conversation, I don't want to overly speculate here, even though I feel like I do do that too much on the show because, well, it's just hard to predict things on the show and I'm not afraid to. So I'll just throw this out there. It's possible that Greg might know about the blood. Oh, interesting. From Ebba, okay? <laughs> and he would totally give that information to the CE bros. I could totally see that happening. I could see it too. The reason I was laughing too, I could just picture Greg and Shiv having a conversation later so on. Heard about the blood? Where Shiv's trying to, yeah, where he's like, oh yeah, yeah, the blood thing. What do you know you about know? half just, a liter of liquid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like when he, you know, Greg always has to deal with like the shredding or whatever. Like he yeah. has to deal with Matson's blood. Right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, just look out for those low key moves from Greg. Also just the quote, cause I don't know if we did it well enough, but him going up to the three siblings, just kind of checking in with them about the price. He goes, yeah, the quad squad, the Roy patrol, the old team, the family and shipping like the fuck. Yeah. Great. Writing. <laughs> just great. Uh, Sarah Snook in this show. Like we just don't shout her out enough. On she this is so good. Yeah, like as a comedic great. actor, she's so low key. Yeah. Okay. I have Matson as my next chess move or did you want to do Tom first? Um, no, I think we can go to Matson. Let's do it. Okay. Because I think all the other chess moves or failed chess moves are connected to I Matson. was going to say, yeah, there were some failed chess moves, but still chess moves from Roman. Yeah. And Shiv. Are you going to wait to get to Shiv or Kendall? I'm going to wait to get to Shiv and Kendall. Okay. Let's just start with Roman because we already talked about him. When he, you know, just loses it on the top of the mountain and he says, we're going to take six months on every email. Right. We're all going to spend like hundreds of millions of dollars and we're all going to get bored. He's just quoting his dad, right? That's what yeah. his dad says to Stewie and Sandy during that bear hug situation. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. And yeah. he's also just kind of like spiraling, like we said, because Matson has insulted his dad and him and he mm-hmm. knows it. Uh, and so Roman obviously makes a failed chess move, but it works in favor of Waystar Royco because like, I again, I don't think Kendall and Roman would actually be able to steer the ship and take control, even though that's what Kendall says. He's like, it feels good, right? Like being in control. And I think they've, they're not even in control for like two days and they're not even making the decisions. Right. Well, <laughs> I was actually going to say that the chess move, the like the logical chess move that Roman makes is just trying to be a good CEO by like looking at accounting of the five different parts of the industry. Oh, the documents, the documents on the, on the, yeah. on the jet. Uh, but I actually think Roman makes a chess move in this episode that he thinks is very good, but ultimately he lets Brutus into the Senate to kill Caesar. And that is Shiv. He lets Shiv in because there's something that happens constantly throughout this episode, which is every time Ken and Roman are about to have an important conversation, I think it happens four times. Roman goes, what about Shivy? Should we get her on this? And it's not until the last maybe 15 minutes where Ken is like, you know, can pinky dance and uses that kind of Logan language on him to kind of manipulate him. And I just wanted to note that because he does kind of like Roman does kind of let Shiv in 
thinking he's doing the right thing, but ultimately that move backfires on him. Yeah, that's a good point. I wanted to talk about Shiv next, but I think the idea of Roman letting her in, even though if they were being observant, they can tell that Shiv feels left out and she feels vulnerable. So of course she's going to like strike and to try to reserve her power because at the beginning, at when they're in the room, Roman has his A team in there getting briefed. We learn that she's not in on meetings. She's mm-hmm. not getting emails. Frank has to send her an email. She's the last to know everything. Yeah. She sees that Ken is being shady on the plane about the headlines about her dad. Like she sees through that she's in media. Like that's her job for all these political people in previous seasons. Right. But ultimately, I think where you're right is that she realizes she can't trust her brothers and can't work with them because mm-hmm. ATN has an open line with Mankin's campaign and she knows that Roman knows this and Kendall doesn't really care. He like half-heartedly says, not okay, Rome. Right, exactly. That's actually the framework in which I kind of viewed this chess move from Shiv throughout the episode, like all of her moves, which was how can I get my brothers to sell ATN and Waystar without like kind of uh, poisoning her name and trying to keep it politically clean? Because her whole thing, this whole show is to keep her options open which to her, I think, is shorthand for I want as much power as possible with still having freedom of movement. Like that's her whole thing, which I think in that way is making her a lot like Logan, like how Jesse Armstrong has said that Shiv is closest to Logan. Yeah. But also it kind of makes her a lot like Connor. And that is a scary duo because <laughs> she sort of flows like water. That's yeah. like where she likes to be. And that's, that's Connor's whole thing. And Connor is kind of psychotic. And then you have Logan, <laughs> who's the ultimate sociopath. So Shiv is a real weapon. I mean, literally, that's why Jesse Armstrong called her Shiv. And so I think that it could be really dangerous for these brothers. And one thing I think has been overlooked, because I think a lot of people look at Kendall talking down to Shiv and not wanting her kind of in the 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 CEO position, as if that is maybe some misogyny at play there, Mm -hmm. which might be true. But the way I've always viewed it is that Kendall is really scared of Shiv and he can control Roman. Like, that's how I think he views those two. That second part, for sure. I think while maybe Kendall isn't being like explicitly sexist towards his sister, he knows though, just like Logan says, like I didn't make the rules of the world. Yeah. He's using the rules of the world against against her. her, Because he wants to control the company ultimately. And Shiv is the biggest threat. Yeah. I also put down that at the very beginning of this episode, we see them driving to Matson in similar seating that they're driving to like kill their dad at oh, the end of episode yeah. or season three. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's the exact same seating. I think Roman might be on the other side and Shiv might be next to Kendall. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. But Roman asks, are you nervous, Ken? And Shiv is talking about like, okay, we're going to get this done and then we're going to run Pierce and ATN together. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's no longer on the table for the kids, right? Even before we get into the understanding that Shiv sees that she politically doesn't align with her brothers, like that would be a total mess to run a news corporation as they get into the election. And right. Roman is in Mankin's pocket. Right. And then also, well, something don't tell else, the Pierce's that they're expecting $10 billion. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they're that's expecting true. to retire. Yeah. And then also on the plane, when Ken and Roman are reading the documents and Kendall says we're death wrestling with ogres. Shiv says you're reading documents. And I think this is where I was really paying attention to what Shiv was doing throughout the episode because she's thinking like her dad. She's like, I don't need to know the numbers. I have people on this plane doing that for me. Mm -hmm. I need to know how I can get under this person's skin. Exactly. 
Yeah. And I think that is a, you know, her getting under other people's skin is her kind of gathering evidence and collecting information. And that's kind of her whole role in politics. And that is now her whole role in business. And I know we already brought it up, but I just want to emphasize it. The moment in which she's talking to Matson and she's kind of hiding the Coke and whiskey to kind of get information out of him is really important because I actually think that's a subtle way to show how Shiv has to hide her complicated pregnancy because of the way men will view that pregnancy and her freedom of movement and open ears and free advice to every powerful person she meets is kind of her way of getting leverage and gaining that leverage. Like once she kind of actually has to be accountable for someone else, I think we assume based on her character flaws that she'll probably fall apart and become her biggest fear, which is her mother, not yeah, to psychologize Caroline, her character too her much, onion. but that is the kind of arc that they've given her is that she's really scared to become her mom, and which is why she's turned to her dad so much as a person. So I actually thought that they did a really good job of like orchestrating her character to be on the outside working in, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that idea because she thinks it's safer to be a killer because then she can't get hurt. Yes. Um, And I guess that kind of also gives credit to like her biggest move of the episode, which is in the background of this PJ taking photos of Ken and Roman being sad boys. Let's let's wait for this because I'm going to talk about Matson in a second. I want to talk now about the chess moves happening in the actual blood block, frozen blood scene with Shiv and Matson. Because I read it different than most the like things that I'm seeing online and I could be totally wrong, but I read this, like we said earlier on your cringe moment as them playing each other, yes. but ultimately Matson has more power. So like, he's going to win out on this Yeah, because if you go back and watch this, this scene one more time, Shiv says at the opening, like, I think if you give a meaningful bump, then that will take you over the line. And Matson <laughs> immediately mocks her with like a Valley girl type voice. And he's like, Oh, you mean if I keep offering more money, like right. then I'll get it right. He doesn't, he's not taking her there for business advice. He's taking her there to make sure that, or to see, I guess, test if she can be in his pocket moving forward and be this inside person on the deal. So that way the brothers don't mess it up because again, he did like working with Logan because Logan could at least tell him yes or no and, and tell him straight. But I think when, when you rewatch it also, you understand that Shiv is in more danger here because when he tells her about the blood, uh, he asks her, do you think I can just like lawyer my way out of this? Right? Like, can I just like deny it? Deny, deny. And he's not an idiot. He's a weirdo. He's kind of a psychopath, but he's not an idiot. Of course he can't deny his DNA that he's sending to someone. And if you go back and watch his face, it's such like a, a play. It's like when he, is playing around with the kids, Kendall and Roman at the very beginning and mm-hmm. talking about how he goes to sale and is, is being asked to pay more. He's playing this like little character. And, and the moment where I saw it was not only after he asked her, like, can I just deny this and lawyer my way out? It's also when he takes her advice, which is so funny when she says like, first of all, good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, second of all, probably stop sending people your blood. But when he says like, okay, yeah, like he's nodding, like he's never considered this before. And he says, I like you. You're cool. You can take a joke like your dad. He's obviously playing with her. Her dad just died. She like said earlier, you know, that everything was great uh, days ago. Like he, He knows that that's the loss. And so I saw him really just testing, like, can I have Shiv in my pocket? And I think that it will be the move going forward. Like Mattson 
I don't know. He doesn't see Shiv as an equal, obviously. No, and no. Shiv acting like she's on top of the world and is playing Matson, like that's not happening, even though Shiv does have more power in this moment. Yeah. I think people, th- this is where you can tell the writing is so good when you look at the reactions to this. Not just audience Twitter reactions that are all anecdotal. I mean, like critic reviews of this episode talking about as if Shiv won. We are so obsessed with these siblings, the siblings yeah. <laughs> that we're kind of missing the point here, which that they're all being played. They've never had yeah. a business leadership position. Maybe Kendall's the closest, but Roman was at a theme park and Shiv got jobs in political campaigns because her dad is a billionaire running media. Yeah. It's like they don't have real experience. And what we know about Matson is he might come from money, but he seems like he's only surrounded himself around people who have succeeded in their right. own field and then got Olympians, the job with him. Yeah. They're Olympians, <laughs> almost bronze guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I understand, I understand totally what you're saying. I, I think I also got caught up in it where I'm like, man, Shiv is just killing it this episode. But much like how in episode one, when the siblings come together and are like, let's just bid 10 billion on Pierce and they yeah. walk into the Pierce house and then they swing open the doors. Oh yeah. That they is throw up and they're in a pyramid like walk and Shiv's leading them yeah, to talk exactly. to Nan Pierce. On revisiting that episode, that's played in comedic effect. Like, yeah, I think very similarly to her taking a photo and sending it to basically her should be her arch nemesis to her family yeah. to make fun of her brothers. And then looking out of the PJ window, kind of smiling Worst, like the first layer of that is, wow, she's so cool. She's yeah. back. The Similar second to layer when, is, yeah. that was really stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why are they doing this to each other? Uh, why are they fighting? Um, and we'll come back to why that might be in our predictions, I think. Yeah. And the only thing I wanted to add is if people haven't listened to our previous episodes, we noted in that Nan Pierce like selling episode, the first episode of this season, mm-hmm. when she like busts in is like, we're going to offer a conversation ending 10 billion. Right. And it's 10 billion, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. And then we see the cousin like smirk in the background because they yeah. know they just pulled one over on the kids and that Logan wasn't even bidding. Logan close went to down that. to six. Exactly. Yeah. So, but the other thing I just want to say that made me feel, uh, I guess confirmed in this belief that Shiv is ultimately being played and Matson wasn't being sincere when he was asking her for advice and, and Shiv wasn't like, tricking him into talking about that, even though she divulged that her and Tom broke each other's heart. I don't think he cares about that. Um, He's has like no empathy at all. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing that made me feel validated was on the official HBO succession podcast. Uh, They had Kieran Culkin on the front end. And then the previous CEO, I think of Twitter on the second half. Mm -hmm. And he said also, like, I think Matson was trying to play Shiv in this scene. Oh, I didn't listen yeah. to that. Wow. And I was like, a CEO stamped. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're right going forward just because Shiv's not going to win or pull one over on Matson. Like, if <laughs> critics, if some critics, and then also just like random people on Twitter do think so, I think the finale of this show is going to kill people. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think it's going to look good for these siblings. All right. Let's talk about Kendall before we get to Matson. So. I just want to shout out Kelsey really quickly because it's really hard to predict things on this show. And when you predicted that Kendall wanted to kill the deal when he did that FaceTime with Matson in like the first or second episode or whatever, mm-hmm. that was really impressive because honestly, I had no idea how to read that scene. And a lot of critics I read about the show or listen to about the show had no idea where Kendall was going. In fact, I've listened to pods since this episode dropped and people are talking about Ken and his whole arc this episode is being randomly like wanting to kill the deal. Okay. But this is something you can tell he's been planning that Kelsey spotted from really early on. And I think it's probably because we revisited the whole show that you probably picked this up quicker than most people because it's very clear that Ken's self-destructive arc to regain power of his father's legacy 
is a through line of the show. Like thinking he can fix it and make it better what yeah. his father did. Like he wants to both be his dad and be a better version of his dad, which is just the impossible yeah, sad Yeah, and he has this like myth dream. of himself that he is going to help people, right? Right. But I think you're right. The reason I just noticed it immediately, and I think other people have been like noticing it throughout the season that Ken is probably going to want to keep the company in family control because that's what he sees as his mission and he can't separate himself from the business. Right. Revisiting it and seeing Kendall starting out this whole series as about to be CEO and having mm-hmm. that taken away from him. The reason I knew immediately when Matson FaceTimed him, oh, Ken's going to try to keep the company is because I know when my Ken boy Roy is offended. Yes. Like yeah. I saw that in his face. Like, oh, he was like, oh, talk to me like yeah. That? <laughs> so let's start with some small but meaningful chess moves. I'm sorry if I repeat some of them here, but they're just really cool the way they add up. Like Ken throughout this whole episode is trying to kill the Gojo takeover. Yeah, he's sabotaging. Exactly. And he starts with trying to keep Shiv out of meetings from beginning to the end. Like the only reason Shiv is included, just to reiterate, is because of Roman. And I think Kendall knows Shiv wants to sell because of her political aspirations. He's scared of her also competing with him to run the company. Yeah, she's a threat. Right. And so before leaving to Norway, he asks the old heads and his siblings in the room at Waystar, what does it look like if we say no to the deal? Yeah. And everyone is like, Well, no, no. He doesn't say say no to the deal. He just says, what if we say no to us going over and having the full list go over? What if we don't play that week? And I think the reason is, is because he doesn't want a lot of people around as he tries to tank it and as he tries to manipulate Roman because there's too many people then advising Roman or too many people in the mix that will actually help the deal go through because that's what they all want. Well, also I think Kendall is just trying to manipulate Matson from afar. Like he doesn't want them all to go from like what you're saying, but he quickly pivots when they all kind of give him a weird look and says, okay, let's go get the deal done. Let's bleed the Swede. Like he just tries to completely misdirect them. So I love that. And then we get to the final Sith versus Sith battle between Matson and Kendall with Roman basically being a fly on the wall in this first scene of the three of them that you talked about at the beginning of the episode. Like when Kendall isn't liking the deal Matson is offering about including ATN in the takeover, Kendall is explaining their case and Matson goes, can I interrupt you? And Ken says, I'd rather you didn't, but you already did. Yeah. So. <laughs> so like, even though Ken is losing his chess match, he's trying to play games with Matson, hoping he can piss him off, which I think is clear in two more moments. The lunch scene where wait, Matson- wait, actually, I want to say something in that scene okay. before you move on, because Kendall, like he's going to try to sway Roman later on. But even here, we could see that Kendall might be able to actually do this and it kill the like deal it. if Roman weren't in the room because yeah. Roman is so unpredictable. But Ken says in the first meeting, you know, maybe you don't understand what you're buying. Maybe there's a disconnect here. Yes. And I think like he is laying, uh, you know, the the path. Right. For, for Matson to be pissed off. Like yeah, Matson being exactly. like, I do know what I'm buying here. We're the, not going to make this work. Or to do the low key thing of like, oh, we're going to take six months to answer your emails. He's just not being explicit like Roman obviously does. Right. So the two small moments, I think, after this that signify Kendall making good chess moves, just did it, he didn't know he was playing a grandmaster in, yeah. Mas- in uh, <laughs> Matson. The lunch scene where Matson and his Swede crew are laughing at the Roys and the old heads. And, you know, Kendall says, are you guys done laughing at us because it's funnier with subtitles, which is like a low key line from Kendall that I don't think gets enough credit after yeah. this episode because there's so much good stuff in here, which also made me think like, do you think Kendall watches any international films? I like, wonder. I, feel, I mean, Swedish they films? own a, a production company. I'm, so I'm wondering now, like, what <laughs> do you think of Triangle of Sadness? <laughs> like, is he an Uslan guy? That's what I need to know. Uh, so then Matson like stops 
mocking the you know Roy nepotism and says like I'm just waiting for your counter and Kenny goes oh you want to do this here where like he does the jacket yeah, thing you brought the sunglasses. up and yeah. I'm like watching this and I'm like can someone get these men a lightsaber like I'm ready for like the <laughs> Northmen meets the big short meets Revenge of the Sith like I would love this like epic battle between these two so I do think we're going to eventually get like a shouting match between Kendall and Skarsgård huh or more maybe more a, a quiet right maybe like that's back kind of like forth. what i mean deep down yeah like it's like the kind of the scene like you're saying where jeremy strong plays that quiet like gum chewing person yes in the big short just like a quick go back to sleep line yeah yeah yeah. and that, God, we love that line so I much know, yeah. it's so good and but when i saw that here at the lunch table is when Skarsgård or Matson says, I'm just trying to like make you rich. And he says already rich, already rich. Yeah. I hope that becomes like a meme because <laughs> I, I just want to use that forever. Um, and then Ken makes his most emotional chess move, which doesn't work out, which is he tells Roman his plans. Yeah. Which I was up. kind of surprised about. I know you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I was curious to hear your thoughts on it because like he says, like he tries to, I guess, influence Roman by saying, I don't know if Pinky can dance. Like he's using Logan language at Roman to get him yeah. on his side. But I was just kind of surprised that he thinks he needed Roman's help. Mm-hmm. I don't think he fully trusts Roman, but I do think he knows he can control him. Uh, and it is also interesting at the end of this episode that Kendall isn't losing it a little bit that he, because he saw Roman kind of emotionally go raw nerve on Matson. I was thinking that Kendall would be like, well, you know, we fucked it. It didn't work. Like, this isn't going to work out now that I told you. But instead he goes, maybe that worked. Like when, yeah. you know, Matson's flying off in his helicopter, which is another really funny moment. Well, yeah, I did notice too when he was trying to persuade Roman to be like a united front that yeah. he was saying, you know, he's a bad fit. He's going to destroy everything that dad built. And also Roman doesn't like that Matson's trying to get ATN, not because Roman wants ATN, just because his dad wanted it. Yeah. But- Ultimately, Ken does need him to understand what he's doing because otherwise he he can't really have, he can't sabotage it in a way that he wants to. Roman will just keep coming back with like, okay, well, let's make this work. And Matson might be thrown off and yeah. just kind of go low because on the price because he feels like they're weak. Well, again, ultimately, I guess Kendall just didn't know that Matson knows exactly what buttons to push on Roman's sweater, which well, that's, that's the biggest thing. Kendall thinks that he's an equal match with Matson, but Matson is his dad. Like, God, that's so frightening. Yeah. Uh, also I wanted to just mention quickly Roman sweater, a lot like Logan's sweater. Huh? Oh, you're right. He was wearing that blue. Yeah. Yeah. And I think somebody even mentions Logan's clothes at one point in this episode, I think, or this or last episode. No, Shiv says we'll just take the sweater instead of ATN. Okay. That's racist. And I'm pretty sure he's wearing it in that scene too. So, Anyways, all right. So Kendall, good chess moves, not quite there. Matson is the ultimate sociopath. So let's talk about him because right from the jump, like he's texting <laughs> Roman while they're all in a room together, like the whole Waystar team, not to freak out. Like he oh, doesn't, yeah. no, no context. Like, <laughs> hey man, just don't freak out. And then the email hits everyone, which is basically saying, hey, we need to check cultural compatibility. So everyone needs to come to Norway, which is a huge, like moving your queen early, big power move from Matson. So he has like basically, I'm not going to go through every one of them, but like 15 other moves like this throughout yeah. the episode that we've kind of already mentioned. Are there any that we forgot from him? Um, I think he's just so intensely strange and brutal. Like when he calls the siblings a tribute band, that's another oh one God, of my favorite, really just like knives. Yeah. One more, maybe one or two more moments that we haven't mentioned yet. 
when they are at lunch, Matson and the Rory crew, and Matson is talking about what he actually thinks about ATM, which is they have great parts, but ultimately they are a bad brand. Yeah. And he says, you know, there's lots of yelling, small men, big veins. Yeah. <laughs> Long-term news for angry old people just doesn't work. Yeah. You got to make it more Bloomberg, gray, simple, cheap, huge, Ikea. I was I was legitimately laughing a yeah, lot at this scene, great. just the idea of Bloomberg Gray and seeing Kendall's face because that's exactly what Kendall wanted to do with the whole Valter thing, which was bring a new culture, as Kendall put it, to the company, but really just make kind of like depoliticize the media company so they're not getting like held under uh, a light as as closely. And then I also really liked when Matson says the. Uh, well then on the offer, I am what I am, what I am. Like, I just like that. <laughs> he turns into evil Dr. Seuss all of a sudden. Uh, so I'm loving these like fist fighting words between a Lachlan Murdoch figure and a Swedish Elon Musk. It's just hilarious. Yeah. And then obviously at the end, right. He yes. offers them too much money to move. Mm-hmm. And when we see him, you know, leaving the brothers and he says, Oh, did you hear what little brother said? And he's like saying, you guys are Scooby doing me. Yeah. His face looking at Roman saying like, you just really like messed up. Yeah. He leans in. So he gets evil. to Roman's level. Cause yeah. he's so tall. <laughs> well, no, no. When Roman walks away and kind of like breaks, and he's oh, like, I'll yeah. call it a negotiating tactic. If you tell the board and then kind of like his voice cracks and he's like, I like, I hate you, you know? And Matson's staring at them as they leave. Like I recommend people just go back to watch Matson's face like throughout this whole episode, but it was so evil. And then he obviously offers them too much money that crushes them. They can't, you know, bring it to the board with something else. They have to go through. I'm fascinated to see what they do in the next episode. Um, But yeah, the last thing Matson does, which is his final chess move is he, you know, ups the price. So he throws off the Roman and Kendall trying to take back the company uh, mission and he's gotten Shiv, but he also fires Ray, Mark, Hugo, Frank, (laughs) the actual kill list and Carl, (laughs) but then keeps on Tom. Yeah. Probably Greg. Okay. If if he's keeping on Tom, I don't think Greg was even a consideration, but yeah, better for Greg. I'm sure he's happy (laughs) about that. Uh, Jerry and then Carolina. Yeah. Which Shiv said in the room. And again, like we think that Matson sees it as having Shiv in his pocket, but Shiv does say like Carolina's good. And I think she says Jerry's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, she does. And yeah. earlier on, I was like, are Jerry and Shiv working together? Are they having talks that we are not observing? Because on the plane at the very beginning of the episode, she says, yeah. I have a lot of investor calls to be on. Like I need to go talk to Jerry. I was like, are they teaming up? And, yeah. and then also, you know, we didn't see the whole conversation with Matson and Shiv. Apparently it was a late night. So, yeah. Okay. So our power rankings from last week, episode four, we had number five, born on the floor, Tom. Yeah. Number four, Shiv. Number three, Roman. Number two, Kendall. And number one, boy. Matson. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with number one boy. Yeah. I think we should start with Matson. Yeah, for sure. I think he's going to be there for a number of weeks. Yeah. Number Our guy th- has no boundaries at all. <laughs> number two, this is where it'll get dicey. I have Kendall. Okay. I have Shiv. All right. Let's talk about it. Okay. So do you remember the diner scene? I forget what season. I forget what episode with where Tom? Tom Okay. and Kendall go to yeah. eat and Kendall's trying to acquire Tom <laughs> to be on his I side. I like you, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> How many Tom, times has he lied and said that to Tom? A lot. And Tom tells Kendall, like, I've never seen your dad lose and I've seen you lose a bunch. Yeah. That's how I feel about Kendall versus Shiv. And even though Kendall has made a lot of questionable mistakes and he's dealing still with his sobriety, Shiv really has never been a player. And when she was for CEO, she kind of gave it away. 
at that that dinner yeah that they were i think at with the well pierces. we didn't talk about it fully but she cracks like we, we talk about it in our season two deep dive which we'll be releasing soon yeah she cracks under pressure right and and i think that kendall doesn't right like he sounds foolish and he postures but shiv and, and roman both like yeah. don't know what to do once they kind of have the crown bestowed upon them i think roman while people are saying that he could run the empire and just do it like his dad. I don't have faith in Roman to do that. He just is always looking for an answer. But Shiv specifically, she, I think, like you said before, wants to keep her options open and ultimately didn't want the power. um, So she doesn't really want number one boy. I think that would be my argument. I mean, I think she does. I just don't well, think that she wants to be the head of like what Waystar is, which is the complicated thing. Like she doesn't want to be the head of ATN. That's fair. Right? But and there like, is a key scene. I think, well, isn't she supposed to represent like a virtue signaling fake liberal person though? Like isn't oh, that yeah. her whole character arc? Like yeah. she's not a literal progressive. So no. I think that's kind of the misdirect of her character, which is that she, she is trying to make sure she has freedom of movement, which is why I brought up Connor. I don't really think she wants to play in this world. I don't blame her. Like, so that's why she makes her the most relatable, which I think a lot of people see themselves in Shiv's character because she also hasn't done what Roman or Kendall have done. Yeah. They've done a lot worse things to people. I think it's what you're saying about the kind of image, right? So she is a performative, like liberal or, or whatever. But ultimately when we see it come down to it, she like, does a lot of really like terrible things like tampering with a witness That's true. Uh, and being on the side of Logan Roy, like this evil empire. Right. But she like doesn't know how much social currency that she wants. Well, That's ultimately what-, what I was going to say is that when, if she were to be at the top of this, like she wouldn't want any accountability for exactly. all the like terrible things that go on. So ultimately I think she, she doesn't want it for that reason, even though she wants the power. So my, I was figuring this was going to happen where you wanted her second. I wanted Kendall second. So I have one key moment in this episode where I do think the writers are telling us that the shift thing is not going to work out, which is why I have her at third. Okay. uh, Is when Roman and Kendall actually do bring to her what Mattson just told them out in the forest area where they say, yeah, he, got the price up to like 187 or whatever but he wants to fold in atn and we were going to use atn to tag with pierce and then make our own thing and shiv was like you know just do whatever like just sell it and then she kind of freaks out a little bit like uh-huh. how she did with pierce i don't know if you noticed no that. yeah yeah i noticed i was like wait what it's a very guess, subtle performance yeah. from snook but it kind of reminded me of her season two vibe and her kind of walking off and i was like uh i don't know if she really wants the power and so that's why i have her at third because she's still making chess moves she obviously deserves to be in the top five but I'm not sure she wants it as much as Kendall, who I still feel like I'm a little bit nervous by Kendall. I don't know if he's just like in this other fantasy land when he's walking around and kind of giving this yeah, Terminator like vibe. dad, yeah. Yeah, because even when he loses at the end, he kind of still seems stable. And so I feel like <gasps> well, he's got he, other did ideas. Did you see he took a sip of champagne? You're end? right. He did take a sip. God dang yeah. it, Kendall. Kendall. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, I, I feel like for me, the reason I have Shiv above Ken here as number one boy is because... I think you're right. Like we talked about Shiv is being manipulated by Matson. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure ultimately if she wants to be in a power position, especially when Minkin is going to be president and like the power that she would have is connected to, to him winning. Yeah, like, him. so I don't, I don't know if she'll want that accountability like one, but I think that Kendall goes below her here 
just as far as like him dropping the ball and including Roman, who's so volatile. Like obviously he can't predict that Roman's going to go like wild on Matson at the top of the right. mountain. But I still think that he got in his head and like was doing the playing dad thing. Like he, you know, is, is trying to tell everyone to like fuck off in meetings at the beginning and, and just talk like Logan, mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier in this season, like when Kendall crumbles, it's when he's acting like his dad. Yeah. And of course I'm not saying the like other end of the spectrum where he's just being this performative, like I'm going to save everyone with this like new age news, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like he's still, obviously they're all, you know, <laughs> bad people, but I think that Kendall cracked here because he's trying to put on this like powerful performance. Yeah. Especially in front of Skarsgård. Okay. I don't know if we're going to be able to agree on this. Well, I just, we're, I we're think not. that it's going to change. I think Kendall should be second anyway, but I do think that Shiv made enough moves that I am a little bit curious to see if the writers kind of swerve here and actually do push her closer to that Matt's position. Well, I think so she's going to be closer to power in the next episode because That's of that true. picture. She she's going to be in the pocket, but Looking down the road, I don't think that's necessarily going to be it. I'm just trying to like, yeah, make she might a have ranking the from this episode conclusion of the three siblings, which I'll, I'll get to very be- possible because of Armstrong kind of telling us that she is most like Logan, which I'll talk about. All right, let's oh, okay. have her second, Shiv second. All right, third, then Ken. Ken, gotta be four and five. I this have this is a toss up. Okay, I have Tom and Greg. Okay, I have Tom order. and Jerry. Jerry, yeah, just okay. because I think Jerry is talking to Shiv. And Greg, I mean, he does like get in with Kendall and he makes that call to the press to okay, be but on like, Team Ken. But seriously, what is let's, he doing? let's unpack it a little bit. How did Greg know about the kill list before anyone? The I guess siblings that's true. before Tom? Who is he speaking to? Ebba or okay, Oscar. Okay, that means yeah. if he's speaking to Ebba, that he probably knows about the blood, if that's real. Because okay. there is also the real part of this story that the blood thing isn't real and that Matson was messing with Shiv. But let's just say it is real. I think it's real. I just think that he is that's really scary then. Like a scary person. Yeah. (laughs) It's real. He's using that as leverage of all things. If Greg does know that because of Ebba, that was before they even partied together or danced that night. That's true. Okay. I'm cool with that. I don't think we're giving him enough credit for kind of getting all this information, which is scaring me because I don't really like where Greg is going this season. This whole disgusting brother thing. He's turning into what you called like a frat bro, but like the worst one. So I mean he was suing Greenpeace last episode or last uh, season, but yeah, I feel like he's worse now. He's more slimy. Yeah. I just want to shout out Carl for getting his <laughs> golden parachute. Yeah. And Frank is also <laughs> probably going to get his too. So yeah. those guys, uh, they became number one boys okay, in some, so some ways. That's true. Uh, yeah, in their own ranking system. I want to put Greg at five. Yeah, let's do it. And then the only reason I'm putting Tom above Greg is because now he's back in with Shiv. Okay. I don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, like he totally messes up with this whole France uh, conversation with Matson, but he flirts with Shiv. Like he, I don't think that he wants to be back in a relationship with her. Like I said earlier on, he seems not totally in on going to dinner with her. He says, basically, I don't know if that's a good idea before yeah. she cuts him off, but he knows how she acts when she feels close to the sun, close to power. And he is like, okay, I'm going to, to do this. And also maybe he does want some sort of relationship with her and, and misses her. Like their flirting scene was so crazy. Oh, the when, earlobe. Yeah. When she comes out and she's like, your, your shoes are so bright and like, you need to change that. She starts like scuffing them. And then he yeah. flicks her earlobe 
And the, the sound, sound effect, yeah, was it wild. sounded like he like slapped her or something, but yeah. it was just so loud. People in the background even looked. Yeah, he was like, "Your earlobes are chunky," and <laughs> and I love when she says that Matson is conventionally attractive, and and he's like uh, a spelunker. I used to think you were broad, yeah. but you're just like wiry. <laughs> yeah. So I think that you know Tom might have mixed feelings. Mm-hmm. He, I don't, I can't imagine that from the beginning where he really did want a divorce. And he was like, if you want to go into everything, like we can, because of how Shiv treated him in the past. But I think he now again, lost Logan yeah. and he lost any source of power. He's definitely going He's to go no back protection. into this, especially if he does find out that she's pregnant, like he'll be. Yeah. Do we think in. that's going to find Which out? Which is kind of a really sad, <laughs> tragic situation. But do you think that's why she wants to go to dinner with him? I think so. Or I think she wants to get him. She wants to like test it out right in her own Matson way. But something tells me the writers are going to, you know, make this pregnancy reveal to Tom so random. Like they might be or like someone else will tell him or like he'll overhear it. I feel like that has to be. It it, would be kind of hilarious if Greg somehow finds out and he tells Tom and Tom reacts the the same same way way, he did it about Nate the morning of their wedding. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tough. Okay. So. The power ranking. I have number five, Greg, number four, Tom, number three, Kendall, number two, Shiv, and number one, Matson. Does that yeah. sound right? Yes. Okay. So the only thing we Agreed. disagreed on was Shiv and Kendall, but Shiv is going to stay at number two. We'll see how she does next week. Do you have any extra credits for today's episode? I don't have any extra credits. I just have the prediction that this photo that she sends of Roman and Kendall is going to come back to bite her. Okay. I agree. So my extra credits go to the possible misdirection of Shiv being in control okay. from the writer's room. I think the writers and Jesse Armstrong have made it clear that Shiv is the most like Logan in one particular way that we've not talked about today, which is that Logan really liked to kick dogs to see if they'd come back. That's true. Which is what Shiv's mom tells her, I think, during her mom's wedding yes, time. Yeah. And I think Shiv is doing that by taking pictures of her brothers. And I think she's kicking dogs and seeing if they're going to come back. I think that is what they're going to keep doing with one another. But Shiv knows that best because of her weird relationship and dynamic with her mother and father. Yeah, that's interesting because that's the only source of power that she has right now is to throw her siblings under the bus. And like we've seen the siblings do this before, but I think you're right, especially because Shiv is really the only one that we've seen have a relationship that's semi-successful I guess I, I don't know just long term and we see her treat Tom like how Caroline kind of treats the kids and how Logan treats the kids yeah well I wouldn't doubt like the whole Rava and kids thing and marriage oh I mean, no yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think like Kendall was a good spouse either it doesn't sound like it yeah. with the coke on the iPad that has been mentioned once yeah or twice. I mean we don't know yeah. what Kendall has said to Rava either I'm just saying I think we're the only that's the only scenes that we've got from the writers like those intimate moments yeah where with roman he feels more like the dog like yes locked in the cage instead of the person doing like the kicking well it's the metaphor there's a lot of dogs brought up in this yeah it's weird um it is fascinating that all three of the siblings are so stunted that they all feel like 12 year olds in adult bodies yeah um and and i think shiv taking this picture of the two you know ce bros yeah <laughs> makes that really clear that they all look like teenagers on a private jet just kind of angry and then yeah Roman has the socks like, gotcha. on the table yeah uh yeah um so again just to kind of reiterate this about Shiv and her character arc I do think that she's being written in a way where she loves giving advice to powerful people because like what Kelsey's saying it gives her this kind of agency in this position of you know this patriarchal institution she's working from this business that doesn't have anyone that represents her in power 
But she really doesn't have any follow through with her advice or power because I don't think she ultimately wants the responsibility of losing her clean slate politically and then her freedom of movement that her and Connor talk about so often. So I think the writers are really exploring this idea that Shiv, much like her siblings, can't really handle the responsibility of leadership. So I do think we're getting misdirected. Yeah. Just to, again, repeat that, because I don't want us to go into next episode forgetting that if Shiv is already falling apart because Matson had duped her or whatever, yeah. like, I want us to remember that because he does seem like a psychopath and he might do that. Yeah. So I didn't have an extra credit, but I actually do want to give it to Skarsgård. Okay for playing Matson, just his performance is wild. Even if you're not someone who goes back to watch episodes, which I don't usually rewatch them. Like if we didn't have a podcast, I wouldn't do that until I wanted to go watch a series Revisit again. Season, yeah. yeah. But I think that this episode in particular is worth watching a second time because I didn't really pick up on all the cues of him playing Shiv or of him being, uh, or playing just, Kendall. Yeah. Just Roman. his eye yeah. contact, like the different things that he's doing physically as an actor, it rivals like Culkin's acting Four season performance. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy to just drop in on a show with these stellar performers and be like, I actually can do this all day long. Yeah. It's I, I recommend crazy. anybody who likes Skarsgård from this, who might not be familiar with his work to go watch Robert Eggers, the Northman from mm-hmm. last year. If you haven't yet, maybe Vikings isn't your thing. Same. Yeah. But that movie in a weird way, and I don't know if many people watch it this way, but I watch all of Eggers movies this way, is kind of like a dark comedy about Vikings. And so if you watch it from that perspective, it's very dark and very brutal, but it is kind of poking fun at Viking culture a little bit. And Skarsgård is the perfect actor to do that or maybe not viking culture but the like myth mythology of, of vikings yeah yes, which exactly. is similar to what kind of like Ari Aster does with family that's why they're special yeah. filmmakers um okay so i have some predictions okay i'm ready so we've been saying this all season this show is really great at entertaining us and toying with us at the same time and we've noted that if you look back at previous seasons the first episode of each new season sort of outlines what will happen in the mm-hmm. finale and based on that, I think we're going to see some in-family fighting between the siblings throughout the rest of the season as they try and rescue this company back from Matson. That seems pretty obvious. I think Shiv will be on his side for an episode or two, hopefully not longer, because that would be really sad for these siblings. He might even offer her some kind of leadership position, oh, interesting. Okay. much like Logan, kind of using her in that same way when he got in legal trouble, which I think we're supposed to assume Matson might get in legal trouble. But I do think this show will end with the three siblings getting some shotguns, as Kendall would put it, <laughs> making their way to Sweden or Norway, and then not realizing that Matson already finished the deal with the shareholders. Oh, and wow. somehow these siblings are going to lose their company, but still have tons of money, but have nothing creative to do with it because they have no idea how to make something of their own. Yeah, or not even creative, like just why they were originally upset with Kendall trying to sell the company. They don't feel like they are a somebody without Waystar. Yeah. Especially not with the 100. Yeah. Apparently not. They're not big into that idea anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or, or Pearson or ATN. I think like everything is just gone for them, but something I am looking forward to is Tom talking to Sid. Okay. And then also I have no idea where Kendall's character is going to go from here. I do think that Greg probably knows about the blood. Okay. Much like the documents from the cruise lines. Okay. It's going to be like an empty asset, but it is going to be something that fuels Kendall. That's like my prediction about the Kendall art. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I definitely don't think it ends here for him. 
No, no. I think he's going to find leverage. That's his whole thing. Like that's his whole arc and trying to get regain power is trying to find leverage through people beneath him and then not give them anything in return, which is going to bite him in the ass eventually, which yeah. is the whole watch. And also thing with just Ray. something notable, like Roman's out of the number one boy running yeah. right now. I don't know. If I don't see him coming back. back. Yeah. I'm assuming this actually brings up a really important point because I still think these siblings will face some emotional consequences for their actions these past few seasons, maybe not legal consequences, So I'm expecting that to happen in the final few episodes. And I only say that now when you bring up Roman, because we're probably going to get some Roman Jerry conversation, maybe not necessarily about the sexual harassment that's been happening between them over the past season and a half, but maybe some kind of like Roman needing support. And Jerry's the only person that we know of that is supporting Roman emotionally. So I'm curious to see where we go from there in the future. As for episode six, like literally in this next episode, I hope we get more Connor and Willa. Yeah. Maybe some Jared Mankin. I think some, you know, like what you said, way of Kendall finding a new way to hold on the company will be interesting. And I'm assuming Tom will have like really complicated, sad feelings about finding out the pregnancy, maybe going on a date Mm -hmm. with Shiv. As for the mats and stuff, I don't know if we're going to see Skarsgård again for a while. What do you think? Could it be a few episodes? I feel like we're going, well, okay. They're not going to go back to Norway. It takes a whole day to fly there. I think we might pivot next episode to Minkin, possibly to a funeral or an election kind of deal. I love all that. the following episode, we will see Mattson. Like, he'll come back. Okay. I love it. All right. That was the extra credits of Succession Season 4, Episode 5, Kill List. Season 2 and Season 3 deep dives are coming later this season. Outside of Succession, we have a Damien Chazelle pod with Sean Fennessy dropping this week. We have a conversation with Daniel Goldhaber, director of How to Blow Up a Pipeline this weekend, and a mailbag coming out next week. We're going to answer some questions from you all, the listeners, for our 100th episode. You can send us any questions you have about us, the show, anything at all, to our email, extracreditspod at gmail.com, or you can go to our Instagram story and plug your questions in there each day until we drop that episode. You can find our email and Insta in the description of this episode. Also, please don't forget to follow our podcast on Spotify and Apple. Yeah. And shoot us five stars. We're an independent show and we appreciate your support. Let us know what you like about our show in the Apple reviews. We're going to be shouting out some of those reviews on our mailbag episode too. All right. Let's go get some Scandinavian pastries. I was feeling a carrot cake, but I can do some Danishes. I actually really did want a pancake after I saw that on Hugo's plate. (laughs) Pancakes and Danishes. Let's do it. All right. This has been Trey. And this is Kelsey. Peace. Bye. Bye.